Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Jim, you posted a blog recently um, about quiet quitting. And in synthesis, you can explain more about this if you want to, but it's one of the many side effects of how COVID has really, COVID and pandemic life in general, really influence, let me move this real quick, influence the way that we view our work and home life balance. And so the proponents of quiet quitting would say that it's a healthy drawing of boundaries around like your work expectations, essentially saying no to anything that goes above and beyond what your job responsibility and your work hours entail. But then critics see it as not just like, I don't know, they would see it as coasting in the job or which could even lead to just coasting in life in general. And in your blog, you took a a unique angle on this because you talked about what it would look like for the church to quietly quit its mission. And I thought that was a really intriguing idea because both of us having worked in ministry for a while, you obviously much longer than I have, um, but we've had a front row seat to the dynamics of someone's relationship with the church and how that can change over time. You know, their involvement or their attitude about the church or their attendance and kind of how that ebbs and flows. And I had a few thoughts when I was reading your blog about some things I've been witnessing lately that I was hoping to get your thoughts on um, with regards to this whole quiet quitting idea. Um, But first, you mentioned in your blog that quiet quitting is unacceptable, not acceptable for the church. And so just in case anybody hasn't read that yet, what definition of quiet quitting did you have in mind when you wrote that? Yeah, for the church to, when I I began reading about all this quiet quitting, uh, I, I did have my mind go to thinking about um, what if a, an organization, a church did that, or its leadership did that, or people within the church did that. And so that was kind of my angle. Uh, and for a church to quietly quit, for a church to coast, to do the bare minimum, to refuse to engage the mission with every fiber of its being would just be unthinkable. Um, and uh, yet, you know, sometimes I can't help but feel that that's a bit of the norm and I'm not trying to be unkind, uh, but I also, you know, there, there comes a time to say, you know, almost prophetically that that, you know, where this is happening, it, it needs to stop. You, you do you do have churches who are content with their size and content with their impact and their influence. And they're content with status quo. In fact, they work very hard to preserve status quo. And you, you do have pastors. I mean, the vast majority you know, I, I would pray not, but you, you you still run across pastors who mail in their messages, lead at the pace of greatest ease, and um, and and attenders who are more concerned with their needs being met than they are with seeing someone far from God come to faith. So there's just I I, ta- I talked in the blog about how there's just a lack of intensity, and 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 um, and I couldn't help but have my mind go to the last of the seven letters in the book of revelation uh and and how uh that it famously condemned for being lukewarm mm. 
and it was interesting that, he, you know, Jesus says, I wish you know, you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but you make me want to wretch. And literally the Greek was, you, it, it, it sickens me so much being lukewarm. It makes me want to vomit and I want to vomit you out of my mouth. And uh, so, which is what the word spit means, meant in the, the Greek word that was used there. So, you know, we can have, you know, fun, you know, uh, cultural conversation about whether quiet quitting is just uh, about protecting yourself against burnout or about slacking off. But let's just agree that when it comes to the mission of the church, um, being lukewarm, any type of quiet quitting is simply not an option. Mm. Now, so as you mentioned, some people would say that, you know, it, it can be a healthy thing because it does prevent burnout. And so quiet quitting is almost like in response to that. Like I've been working so much, I need to draw boundaries. But it's interesting when you take that analogy to the church, because do you think that's what some people would say, like proponents of quiet quitting within a church atmosphere, that it's because they've dealt with so much burnout or they would, they want to draw these boundaries beyond, you know, what they're comfortable with or what they're, what they're not doing more than is expected of them because they're afraid that they're going to burn out. Yeah, I think there's two scenarios. I think we could talk about it in two ways. And first, there's the the, the COVID scenario of uh, like for pastors. Um, the uh, it was interesting what was called the Great Resignation throughout 2021, where more Americans left their jobs than ever before. Um, more Americans left their jobs in April, for example, of 2021 than any other month on record. Then that record was broken in July of 21, and then that record was broken again in August. And uh, which was then broken again in September. I mean, it was just this massive resignation and it was called the Great Resignation. And uh, I remember reading something in The Atlantic um, about that, uh, that those who are, are who are um, quitting, um, many of them were low wage workers just getting better jobs in industries that are raising wages to get desperately needed new employees. So it was more of a big switch than a big quit mm -hmm. in, in a lot of sweat settings. But for many, it was burnout. It was related to burnout. People in jobs that were particularly hard hit by all things COVID. So think educators, healthcare workers, and pastors. Mm -hmm. uh, it was interesting how even the secular press was picking up on the impact that all of this was having on church leaders. Washington Post, I remember reading uh, an article about an exodus of clergy that was going on that have left ministry in the last couple of years because of the, the powerful combination of pandemic demands and political stress. Uh, you know, fights about masks and vaccine mandates and how far a religious leader should go in expressing a political view and um, whether, you know, using Zoom and, 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 and all of this pastoral burnout just got really high. Uh, and they were right. Uh, there was a survey by Barna that I found very unsettling and re really disturbing to my soul and my spirit um, and um, found that 38% of all Protestant pastors said that they had considered quitting full-time vocational ministry in the past year. And that was up um, almost 10 points from when Barna asked the same question at the beginning of 21. Hmm. And when you bracket out age groups, uh, an alarming, almost almost 50%, I think it was like 46%, but almost 50% of all pastors under the age of 45 uh, are thinking of quitting ministry altogether. Almost half of the next generation. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's, that's serious. That's, that's burnout. 
And there's so many things that they're facing, obviously, with that, you know, pandemic and polarization and discussions of race and, and so many other issues. And so the, these deep polarizations have been difficult for pastors because no matter what the issue, no matter what the decision, that leader was going to alienate one group or another in the church. Mm. Uh, and it was like a no-win scenario. And yet they were unavoidable decisions and issues to speak out on. Sure. <laughs> Conspiracy theories, sweeping the congregation, getting vaccinated, open or closed, masked or unmasked, uh, the 2020 election, the response to the death of George Floyd. Added to that, the shift of all things digital, sure. uh, which was not a skill set taught in seminary, <laughs> uh, and the social isolation that pastors felt in relation to the practice of ministry. So I'm deeply sympathetic to that. But then here's what I'm not sympathetic to, and this is really what I was trying to get at, um, is apathy, hmm. just apathy toward the mission, uh, losing sight of the mission not having a burning fire in you for the mission. Um, and I, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I was, I was uh, reminded of this earlier today. I was doing a podcast for a friend of mine in the UK and, um, and I had forgotten about this story. It kind of came out in a serendipitous way as we were chatting, but um, many, many, many years ago, I was leading a seminar and I was laying out, you know, my heart, my passion for the church and, and, and how it could reach the unchurched. And if we'd only do this and try that, and, you know, I was just kind of, you know, pouring my, my passions out for that, for a real rethinking of the church and a, and a real sense of, of, of moving forward. And um, a pastor stopped me afterward, kind of caught me as I was leaving, you know, and, and in, in the hallway. And he, he kind of pulled me aside and he said, everything you said was true. Everything you said was right, but I'm not going to do any of it because I only got, I don't know, six, seven, eight more years and before I'm done. And I just don't want the headache. I don't want the hassle. And, you know, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, but, you know, everything you said was right and true. <laughs> and I remember I had two <laughs> simultaneous emotions, reactions. One was, I didn't know whether to just find a corner and throw up sick to my stomach and heart sick or just haul off and deck this guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're, this is just so, it, it made me manic. Mm. So um, it's that, that, you know, uh, the the apathy. And, 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 and I, I just think uh, that was what I was trying to go after, that kind of quiet quitting. Yeah. Now, when you apply quiet quitting to a works, to a work, you know, situation, quiet quitting is usually described as not going beyond your job description. But that's a hard thing to nail when you're talking about the church, like what someone's job description is, especially if they're not on staff for a church or they're not, you know, a pastor. And so I think you could pr probably broadly say, well, our job is the, what you just said, the mission, the great commission. But how do you, how do you put that in identifiable terms? So interesting that you bring quiet quitting to like a church attender or how that would be for a church member. Um, cause I didn't go there in, in the blog right. and that's not the way it's being used in terms of the marketplace, but I think it's fascinating. So, um, thank you for, uh, throwing me a softball pitch. <laughs> um, let me, let me, let me respond to that. And, 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 um, but let me preface my response with this. The church I have the privilege of leading 
is the most selfless, sacrificial, um, turned outward, not inward group of people on the planet. I, it's, 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 I'm, I could not be more proud. Um, and, and, and they get it, you know, you know, people met get it. They know it's not about them primarily, but it's the person who's not even darkened the doorstep of the church yet. And they would die to themselves and do, you know, anything to see, to see a friend or a family member or someone, even they don't know, just emerge from the waters of baptism. And yeah. so I, 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 I want to preface what I'm going to say by saying, um, I'm not talking about Mac. If anything, I just would want to brag about Mac. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I also travel a lot and I talk to a lot of pastors and I know what the state of a lot of churches are and what they're, they're dealing with. And it's, 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 it's deeply troubling. And, and here's how I would describe it in terms of the quiet quitting and, and what's happening and their job, their understanding of their job. Mm -hmm. They don't have an understanding of a job. Um, they, they, it, there's, there's two things that are combined, a terribly weak ecclesiology and then spiritual narcissism. Mm -hmm. And I really, since you've given me the opportunity, I want to talk about both. Sure. Weak, weak ecclesiology, meaning they just don't have a, a high view of the church. They, they view the church as just, um, you know, a glorified country club or something that's uh, optional to do. I mean, it's nice to be a part of, but they don't really see it as the bride of Christ, the cause of Christ, the thing that, that Christ came to establish to reach this world. They, they, they have a very low view of it that's very consumer-driven, consumer-based. They just want to go and get needs met and maybe good children's ministry stuff and some inspiring music and a good talk every now and then and uh, meet some friends. And they don't really view it as something that they are to give their life to. Um, and um, so uh, they have a very weak ecclesiology. They kind of a take it or leave it kind of thing when it comes to the church. And they don't really kind of see it almost like a man-made organization. Uh, all of which is, you know, is patently false and, and is borders on heresy. <clears throat> but then it's combined with spiritual narcissism. And I have been ringing the bell about spiritual narcissism, I feel, for a quarter of a century. Um, Narcissus, uh, Narcissus in Greek mythology was the person who so fell in love with their um, image that they, um, they were just taken with themselves. And in various versions of the story, you know, he comes across a pool of water, sees his reflection, and is so taken with himself, he just spends the rest of his life staring at his, his image. <laughs> From that, we get our word narcissism this I, me, mine mentality that puts um, uh, our wants and needs ahead of everything and getting uh, our personal tastes and desires satisfied ahead of everything. And so this spiritual narcissism plays itself out when it comes to the church. And so when you listen to people, they say things like, well, I want to go where I'm fed. Mm. It's an incredibly narcissistic thing to say because they're not saying I want to go where I can learn to feed myself or where I can feed others. No, I just want to be fed yeah. or I'll walk out of a worship service and say, well, I didn't get anything out of it as if worship is what you got out of it, as opposed to what you gave God through it. Yeah. Uh, they'll talk about, well, I need to go where my needs are met, not where I can meet other people's needs or where, you know, I can, you know, learn how to do that. No, I just need my needs met and, or I need to go where I can be served you know, and, and as opposed to me serving others. So you just, it's, it's the way we talk, you know, it's very narcissistic, but we don't even blush because we're not even labeling it as narcissistic. Yeah. It's just, our, it goes back to our weak ecclesiology. Of course, it's going to be my approach to the church. It's going to be my approach to spirituality. I'm a consumer. And so um, it's, it's, I don't have a job. You have a job to care for me and whatever I want. I don't have a job 
uh, you're lucky I showed up. You're lucky I'm here. And, and, and maybe I'll give you a tip during the offering if, if, if I feel like so led. So it, it, it is, um, and I, I know I'm being borderline almost snarky about this and I don't mean to be, but I, I, I I'm talking about, um, I'm, I'm setting up a, not a straw man, but I'm setting up something to tear down. Sure. Um, and, um, and I, and I do think the spiritual narcissism invades the church. A lot of people feel like some, you know, large churches, contemporary churches are abandoning orthodoxy to get warm bodies and therefore they're giving into a consumer mindset. I would argue, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, the consumer mindset that's invaded the church is where we're making catering to the needs of the already convinced everything. Mm. We're not just, a, you know, we're not just trying to do whatever it takes to get unchurched in and abandoning orthodoxy. We're doing everything we can to, to get transfer growth in by catering to their needs. And it, it's, it's a, I think it's a, it's a, insidious type of consumerism because it, it negates the mission. It goes against the mission because it's not, it's, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the, it's about lost people. Yeah. And we're to have a towel over our arm and to selflessly serve. We're talking about a, a, a savior who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And a, a savior that said, take up your cross daily and follow me. And, 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 and on and on it goes. We, we, a, a savior who, who, it, you know, gave his very life for the mission and for the for those who were lost. So the truth is that every Christian is going to stand before God and give an account of their life. Uh, and that's going to include their role and their participation in the bride of Christ mm-hmm. and uh, and the use of their gifts and their resources for the church and the outreach to friends and family and their participation in the church. Uh, in essence, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but it could be as simple as uh, uh, we had an army. You were recruited for that army. Did you fight? Hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we, we see things that are playing out right now in the Ukraine and how these people are just doing everything they can to save their country and recapture their country. And there's no sense that you wouldn't. What do you mean? You, you we're, we're fighting for our country. I mean, you, who's, who's not going to be a part of this? Yeah. And, and the church is far much more mm-hmm. and it's met with apathy and, and a spiritual narcissism. And so that's, that's where I think the quiet quitting plays itself out along those lines. Mm-hmm. I love what you said, like the church is so much more. And I, I, I've been thinking about that with relation to quiet quitting, because the one part I do like about quiet quitting with regards to the workplace is that it does suggest that, you know, if, as you draw, it's, it's necessary to draw boundaries around your work because there's more to life than work. You know, you shouldn't be spending all of your time, you know, putting in, you know, all these extra time and and hours into your job, you know, forsaking other things that are important. But like you said, like with the church and God's mission, what is more important than that? And so how does a Christian, you know, properly, I don't know, discern for them what is too much? What would that look yeah. like for them? Yeah, and I'm glad you're giving giving me an opportunity to qualify because you know somebody could say, oh yeah, but I mean now you're talking burning out for Jesus, and that's mm-hmm. not good either, and that's not balanced, and and you you know uh, we're we're you know God wants us healthy and whole and 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 doing life in a sane pace, and I agree with all of that. I'm talking about an inner spirit. I'm talking about an inner attitude. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, putting in 40 hours at your job and then somehow finding another 40 where you're living at a church or something like that. I'm I'm just talking about, um, uh, you know, doing 
being active in the bride of Christ, active in the church, active with the mission, putting in your gifts and your resources and your time and your talent and, and being a part of the team and being a part of the effort and the cause of Christ and taking it seriously as the church is the most important investment you'll make in your life. Um, and, uh, and I do believe that. I do believe the cause of Christ is the most important thing you'll invest in in your whole life. Um, and um, so, but I also, as you know, talk regularly with, with even our staff, how not to burn out, how to protect yeah. your family life, how to, how to uh, you know, have your children grow up loving the church instead of resenting the church and how to you know, be careful not to operate too much outside of your areas of primary giftedness because of how that can be you know, uh, draining and, and toxic. And, and you know, so I, 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 I very much care about that but I was also talking with uh, one of our older staffers and um, who said that one of the things too, though, that, that attracted him to Mac and was the, the, the intensity, the urgency of, of, of that, you know, flowed through the veins of this place of all of us collectively doing whatever it took, mm. you know, Hey, if it did take coming here and, 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 you know, giving, you know, time and, and if it did mean sacrificial giving, if it did mean just a whatever it takes mentality, because um, uh, the mission was so was so clear and so urgent. And so, you know, there is that sense of, yes, saying balance, health, but also passion, urgency, doing whatever it takes. And um, so I think that's a it's an internal conviction and orientation. You know, the term quiet quitting um, actually became quite loud because of influencers on TikTok in particular who were, you know, posting videos about how to, you know, slack off on the job, you know, basically gave a different perspective as to quiet quitting, which I think is the most under fire. But and the, the um, analogy may break down here. So you tell me if I'm um, overstretching this, but is there an... Is there a an equivalent of like a loud quitter like that within the church? Oh yeah, and and again, I want to I want to brag on Meckers. I've, I've I've I just don't encounter this here, uh, and um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I get I get around a lot, and I talk to a lot of pastors, and and one of the things that I, I've heard I've heard a lot of pastors kind of tell me privately offline that um, they're older members and attenders uh, really have a mindset many times of, Hey, I've done my part. It's time for the young kids to do theirs. I've, I've done my time in the nursery or I've done my, I gave sacrificially at that campaign, or I've done this or I've done that. And I'm uh, it's, it's now their turn. I've done my part. And that's, that's, that's kind of a loud quit. That's kind of a bold, loud <laughs> quit. Hmm. Um, and uh, also when someone says, uh, you know, I'm out of here. I want to go where I'm fed. You know, all the spiritual narcissistic stuff that actually leads to a departure. And they just they're just very out front about it. that's a loud quit. Um, and uh, again, this isn't true of Mac, but I mean, it's it's certainly true of of. Um, I mean, I guess it could be true. I don't I wouldn't know. I don't think it is. <laughs> but I do know that in a lot of churches, um, they'll say that anytime they announce that they're going to have a building campaign where they, they really need, they're growing, they're reaching people for Jesus, they're baptizing people, and they, they need to raise capital funds for either, you know, facilities or resources or, or maybe a, a online efforts or, you know, various things like that. In other words, they just need to have some type of capital campaign. And, you know, it's hard to really extend the cause of Christ and really 
um, get chunk yardage independent of those, you know, and so as a leader and, but they'll say, you know, I can just tell you right now, anytime I start to do something like that, I can count on 20 to 30% reduction in attendance. <laughs> That's pretty loud quitting. Sure. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, and it's interesting, all of that's mission, all of that's mission related, isn't it? Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stretch the definition of a quiet quitting a little bit to essentially what it just sounds like if you're not familiar with it, just a literal understanding of it to like quietly walk away from something. And with relation to the church, that would be people who just quietly leave the church and they stop attending. I get it. This is totally normal, or I guess like we'd be used to this for people who are newer tenders at a church. But I think that the larger church at large was shocked by how much this happened, you know, after COVID, especially with some of their core volunteers or attenders who they thought that, you know, once regulations are lifted and everybody can come back, you know, all those volunteers and everybody, they're just going to come right back again. And that didn't happen. And it wasn't just that they scaled back, that they drew boundaries around their, you know, their time or their energy, but just that they quietly quit without a trace. What do you think is behind that? I would encourage people if they didn't to listen to our podcast on deconstructing, uh, because some of that was addressed there. Like, what are the reasons why that people are deconstructing? Some of that's one. Some of the reasons why people, you know, detach themselves from the local church. I think there's several things that were going on. That um, uh, one was that prior to COVID, you really did have this rise of the nuns. I mean, this this full throated entry into a post Christian world. And COVID just accelerated everything. And so you might have had some, you had a lot of people on the periphery of churches that might have attended periodically, but, you know, COVID just accelerated everything, including people's lack of religious faith or lack of religious attachment. Uh, Churches were closed for a certain period of time in terms of in-person services and people on the periphery just kind of fell off. They were just, they just kind of naturally they weren't that attached anyway. And, and so it was very almost natural for them to just have the separation that was already hanging by a thread and wasn't that convictional to just uh, end. Um, and so COVID just gave them the cultural kitchen pass to do that mm-hmm. and the cover so they wouldn't look bad. I mean, and, you know, um, <clears throat> others, <clears throat> I think, just got sick of the toxic mess uh, that invaded a lot of churches partisan politics and so many other different things and and the divides and the open conflicts between Christians and and they just said, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. And and you know, their church was, you know, heavily embroiled in those kinds of things. I think another thing, you know, for churches that had a really robust online presence and maintained that robust online presence, I think a lot of it is they didn't quietly quit. They they just stayed online. They just thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, and many of the natural ways to surface became, you know, irrelevant to them or they were comfortable with certain things. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting, Mac, we, we've experienced that. And I don't think we've had a chance to talk about this much, but um, like we we have we had an online campus long before COVID and, and we had still have the vast majority of our people. We, we grew significantly during COVID, but still the vast majority of our people attend the online campus. They simply enjoy it. They simply like it. Um, and, uh, and so, um, and we're okay with that. We've, we've made it clear that that's whichever campus in person or online, you know, that, that, that serves your needs. Um, and they, for us, it's a full campus. I mean, it's the pastors and guest services and online stuff. We've, we've gone all in on hybrid, which 
again, we'll be talking quite a bit more probably in the months to come. But um, the, uh, you know, they didn't go anywhere. They're still there. And so they just didn't return to in-person services and they just, they just love being online. And, uh, but what we found too, is that when they, there were opportunities to surface such as, uh, like we had a, we had one event that we offered, like it was actually in the thick of COVID, you know, and, uh, we had over 10,000 people show up for that one. And, and, um, and then we had to cap it. We don't know how many would have come, but, um, and, and so, you know, they just kind of pick and choose what they're going to do. So they haven't quit. They've just gone into a different model of, of engagement with the church. So, um, so I think there's all of the above in terms of this. I, 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 I do think that there is a, but there's a lot in the deconstruction stuff that we talked about that I do think led to some quiet, I don't know if I would say quitting, but like, a, a, like I'm, I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to take a breather. I'm just going to back off for a little while. I need to reassess some things. And, and many of them might still be attending online or viewing things online, but they're just, they're just, there was so much. And we talked about this too, bundled yeah. with Christianity over the last three years. And, and, and I think inappropriately that was projected out on the typical local church, even though it wasn't involved in those bundlings that um, people are just trying to sort through a lot. It, it, it's been a crazy 36 months yeah. across the board. And, and, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was talking, I was mentioning, I was talking to the, my friend from the UK, we we're doing this podcast together. And he, anyway, he was saying, he says, you know, this happened in COVID, this happened and this happened. And then the queen, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. he was like our queen. And for oh. them, they've never known life without that mother figure. Gosh. I mean, this was a, a, a you know, a man who's, I, I think he was in his, you know, in his, 40s or 50s and i mean she's been she was queen 20 years before he was born yeah and so you know it's just like yeah. there was there was i mean that was a you know they're just in a funk yeah. and he just and the way he said that there was this there was this there was this and then the queen yeah. <laughs> you know i just um we've been through and, a lot uh, that's for sure yeah mm-hmm. you know i wonder how much quiet quitting takes place without people even realizing it like I can't imagine that like most people become Christians, you know, or like or most Christians consciously turn inward or, you know, new pastors are thinking, oh man, I can't wait, you know, for a couple years down the road where I get to just coast. Like, how does that, how does that happen to someone without realizing? How do they, they move in, you mentioned like in an apathetic area and how, how can we prevent that from happening? It's what we expose ourselves to and it's who we're around. If I am not exposed to people in my life who challenge me with their commitment, with their investment, with their urgency, with their sacrificial approach, uh, I can get more and more comfortable with whatever level I've set for myself. And so I do think that the more we are isolated away from those challenges, the more we can just drift and left to ourselves, we'll drift to narcissism. Left to ourselves, we'll drift to a self-centered approach. Um, and so we just need to, uh, and that, and that's one of the reasons why we, we reach a point where we don't even hear ourselves sounding narcissistic. We don't even see the way we're living as narcissistic because we're not being exposed to anything else that isn't narcissistic. And, um, and, uh, and 
you know, sometimes when people get exposed to it, they almost can get angry because they don't want to be convicted. You know, don't, don't tell me I'm a bad person or that I'm for saying this or feeling this way because we've almost made narcissism a euphemism for or a metaphor for taking care of myself. Right. And we've made self-therapy and taking care of myself, you know, like the ultimate value. Like I just need to be, I just need me time. I need to care about me. I just need assignment seasons for me. And, and you, you don't, you know, and it, it's just a, a veiled way of just being self absorbed. Um, and you know, there's, you can, you can care for yourself in the proper ways and still lead a sacrificial given lifestyle. Mm. Uh, Jesus was the perfect model for that. Mm. Now completely sacrificial, completely death to self, but he took care of himself. He had down times. He had quiet times. He had, to, you know, he, he took care of himself, you know, um, there was an old story and I want to say I got this from John Stott, but I can't remember okay. <laughs> whether well, he was yeah. the one that told me this or whether he was the one that told me this or I, I or maybe I read it in one of his books. But there was a but I'll, I'll give him credit just because I know it's not original with me. But uh, there was a guy in a church who had been in a church who had stopped attending and stopped interacting with community and um, was kind of. Uh, justifying that or, and, and, you know, it just had taken further and further away and his pastor went to see him and uh, he didn't say anything to the guy. He just kind of went in, in the story and he, the guy was in front of the fire and the pastor took a poker and he, he moved one of the coals, the, the, you know, out from the fire. And he about a couple of feet and he just let it be there. And in just a few moments, it went from red to pink to then just white ash when he had moved it away from the other coals. And then he left and the man knew exactly what he was saying. You know, this is what you're going to be like removed from others, removed from community, removed from people who would challenge you. You're, you're not supposed to do this alone. Um, you will lose your fire. You will be like this, you know, that was once on fire and now is dead. John told it a lot better, but <laughs> I just, 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 just perfect my memory on that one. I don't know why it just came to me, but I, I do think that, um, it can, it can happen unconsciously. We are removed from that. We'll just slowly, 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 you know? And so, um, and, and that's really what the verse is about when it says, don't give up meeting together in scripture. That, that wasn't corporate worship. It was don't remove yourself from Christian community. Mm -hmm. Don't remove yourself from the one another's and the way you're to interact with one another and the way you challenge one another, iron against iron motivation. And so, uh, you know, so if you really want to keep this not from, you know, from happening, don't remove yourself from Christian community. And also, uh, you know, seek out people that are going to challenge you. And I, you know, I've throughout my life, I've usually had people that I can, I can go spend time with and I walk away just, okay. I'm, you know, I'm re up, you know, I'm going to, I'm challenged again to, to be more bold in my faith or to read more or to, to lose weight or to exercise or, or, you know, for, for, you know, good purposes or, or for, or to um, lead with more prayerful clarity. And, 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 and that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, and that's what it's meant to do, uh, or Christian community. You're meant to have challenge come to you from other people. And I think that's the ultimate thing about quiet quitting. You know, you put five people in an office, 
and you've got four quietly quitting and then the fifth person isn't yeah and really can motivate the other four in terms of having a higher purpose and, a, and an urgency and an intensity mm, that's a great example and i love that story with about the coal i feel like that's worth reflecting on a little bit more as well so thank you for that or john stott whoever that came from but thank you Uncle um, john. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's, that's a good place to leave today's conversation. And um, of course we'll link that blog that this was based on um, in the show notes, but we'll leave it there for now. Thank you guys for joining us and we hope that you'll tune in next week.